This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's No Day Ever podcast. Burnley won the title at Charlton with a 3-0 win at the Valley, although there has been some farcical scenes at the trophy presentation on Monday with apparently running out of medals so that Joey Barton didn't get one. We'll come on to that later. But Burnley, champions of the Football League, not just promoted, champions, four points clear at the top of the league in the end after Middlesbrough and Brighton played out a 1-1 draw at the Riverside. Middlesbrough therefore joining us in the Premier League, Brighton go into the playoffs. And Natalie, it was an absolutely fantastic day at the Valley. Probably one of the best days as a football sport, watching your team win the league. Oh, it absolutely was. I don't think I've still like, come down from a massive high on it yet. I think it was just such a great day from start to finish. There were so many fans there. The sun was shining. You know, it was a great second half performance. And it, it was, in the end, quite an easy stroll. And I just don't think I'll, I'll ever get over that feeling. It was so exciting. And it's just been an absolutely cracking season and there's been times when it's been a little bit tough and there's been times where we've had to really dig deep but to see that all come to an end to come to an end at the valley was just magnificent what a great day and to to finish unbeaten again James 23 games half a season I suppose Charlton were moderate opposition but it, it puts into focus what an incredible achievement it's been this season to end with 93 points at the top of the table Burnley by far and away the best team in the league yeah no I mean you know, in that run of 23 games, I think Dash said on Sky that, you know, we had a tough start early on coming down from the Premier League with, it, you know, the challenge that presents. But I thought we had some tough games in that 23. Obviously, we had Brighton away. Um, you know, we had Borough come to the turf and, and to come out of um, a run that included games like that uh, and still be unbeaten at the end of it. You know, I guess Preston away as well, you can throw in us since they beat us at home. Um, you know, it's just a magnificent achievement. Is it? There can't be many teams um, in any league, you've gone 23 un, unbeaten, um, especially not 23 unbeaten to finish the season. Because, um, I mean, to talk about a strong run, and it doesn't really get much better than that, does it? It's certainly something to save, and it, it'll be interesting to see if we can keep it up for a bit at the start of next season. Um, Kevin, the game itself, Burnley not really at the race in the first half. Apparently, Sean Dash gave the players such a telling off that they had to move the, the sky cameras out of the dressing room. Amazing, yeah, and I think I think... I was watching it on the. I was watching it on 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 Sky. I really wanted to get that, get down there, but couldn't get a ticket, uh, despite the majority of the ground being empty. Um, but yeah, I think and I think apparently one of the players mouthed uh, when we were coming out that Sean Dyche should give him a bit of a rollicking, and, and it seemed to work. We, we scored two in the first five minutes of the second half, um, which 
which was fantastic because it's, it's one of those where when you've only got that one goal lead, um, it, it, it can be quite edgy and quite quite nerve-wracking. But as soon as, soon as the second one went in, we, we were champions uh, of, of a football league, essentially. But as soon as that third went in, it was that was it. It was complete party time and we could just relax and enjoy the rest of the match and the, the, the remaining 40 minutes of our, our our championship season. Hopefully, the last 40 minutes we'll play in the championship for a long, 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 long time. Natalie, the, the first half at the Valley, Burnley, I thought we were quite good going forward, but strangely passive off the ball, gave Charlton a lot of time and space to play, and we were really grateful to Tom Heaton for two or three top-class saves to, to keep us in front at the break. Yeah, we certainly we certainly were. I think Heaton's um, had to make a, a few too many saves of that nature in the run up to the end of the season for our liking. But you know, there's a, there's a eleven players on that pitch, and he's there for a reason. Um, it certainly was a, a difficult first half, and and I think, like you say, defensively we looked really out of sorts. The only thing that I can think of is not justification, but the reason for it. We all had a massive build-up to the expected interruptions to the game. And we all saw what happened during the Brighton game. It was about six minutes into the Brighton game that they started with throwing um, the inflatables onto the pitch and trying to disrupt the game. And it, it felt for me that the game started a little bit flat. It's almost as if the players were expecting to have to start. So they didn't want to go flying out of the blocks. They were sort of just almost passing it around a little bit um, just to you know anticipate that they were going to have to stop in a minute and the game was going to be a little bit of um, a slow starter when that didn't happen and in fact nothing happened at all in the first half of the game I think we sort of got halfway through the, the half and they suddenly realized oh well you know this is nothing's happening here and we're going to have to you know pull our socks up a bit and I, I do I do think that had a bit of an effect on the players it was a fantastic goal that we scored James I'm sure we'll we'll have a goal of the season award on our awards podcast next week um but it'll certainly be up there a fantastic team goal and a simple finish for Sam Volts in the end but there were a lot of passes that led to that goal. Well, before you said it was uh, the Volks goal, I was going to say which one, because I thought, you know, the second for Boyd was a, a great little bit of team players as well. Um, but no, I think it, it reminded me a little bit of um, the Barnes goal against Wigan that, that sealed it um, last time round for promotion because it is, you know, it was just a set of passes and I think, you know, the defence is probably a little culpable there. They do let Volks in the back door, but... You know the vision to to pick that pass out and see that he's going to be able to just step into it was you know superb and uh, you know, it was a joy to behold and obviously I think it settled any nerves that we'd be relying on uh, you know Borough not winning to to seal the title. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They were all excellent goals, Kevin. I saw a couple of people say that Andre Gray's goal was uh, a product of his poor first touch, but surely it was. Out of his feet, ideally to take the shot on. Yeah, it was a classic Andre Gray touch, weren't it? It was about 50 yards <laughs> ahead of him. Um, but he, but he, he gets away know. with it because he's so quick over the short distances. He doesn't need to control the ball right on his toe. It's almost better for him that he gets to chase after it and hit it. I think sometimes it works in his favour because, you know, he, he, he's normally got the beating of his man. And, um, you know, that, that touch, I think, does throw the defender off sometimes that it's not close and into his body. Um and also, you know, probably gives them space to to wind up to it a bit harder, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, some of the football we played, Kevin, in that game was was outstanding, albeit against the worst team in the league that's, that's struggled and with all the backdrop of the process and stuff. But we really showed what we were made of. The performance that we talked about wanting to see on last week's podcast, they really turned up and showed it in the second half. 
Definitely, and I think we talked about um, we talked last week about be interested in this match because we could we could play without pressure, which is something we've uh, because it's been such a tight race all season. Uh, we've been playing with pre- almost with pressure all season, whereas this is a match where we could actually go out and maybe just enjoy it a little bit. Um, and I think the fact that we, we we did play our best stuff in the second half is probably a, a reflection of that. Obviously, the first half. Like when there's only about one goal in it, it, it can all change quite quickly. But like I said earlier, when that third goal went in, that was it. It was um, we, we were we were champions, and yeah, I think we we, we did play with it a bit more freedom. That's that's perhaps um, why they had a few chances on goal as well, and we, why they threatened us a little bit. Maybe um, just being able to play with that bit more freedom. Maybe we, we didn't have that intensity of of um, of tracking back and chasing Charlton as much as we might have done. Um, two or three games ago, um, maybe we're a bit more focused on seeing what we can do going forward. I don't know, but yeah, it was great to see. And, and, and like James said, some particularly two, the first two goals were, were both fantastic in in very different ways. Um, and I like James's comparison of the, the Barnes goal um, for, the, for, the, for the opening. It was it was it was fantastic. There must have been um, kind of five or six players involved in that goal, which was fantastic to see. It's always my, my, my favourite goals is, of of watching Burnley were always those. They're not, they're not the screamers from you know twenty yards out. It's always those where you get the entire team involved and all playing different parts and building up slowly, and then it cut across and it goes into the back of a net. So that first goal for me was fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah I absolutely loved it. Um, Natalie, you mentioned the process a bit already, but it was always going to be a slightly strange, surreal atmosphere with Charlton fans uh, disrupting the game. There were some flares thrown on the pitch, and a banner went round, and there was the liar thing as well. But they, on the most part, I think they managed to to respect the occasion, as we heard from Card last weekend, last week on the podcast. Sorry that they intended to. There was no attempt to to have the game abandoned, which Burnley fans had been concerned about prior. There absolutely was, and you know what a an incredible show of restraint from the Charlton fans. And, you know, they were absolutely brilliant on on Saturday. They're facing such a difficult time in their history and they're doing everything they can to help save their club. But they just were so, like you say, respectful for what was happening for us. They, you know, even at the end of the game, they'd obviously allowed, they'd obviously planned a pitch invasion um, and they allowed the Burnley fans to storm the pitch first just to celebrate with their players before they then went on. And, I think a lot of the media coverage has picked up on this and I've seen quite a few reports over the weekend of just how really graceful, um, sorry, not graceful, (laughs) gracious, I'm sure they were graceful as well, but just how gracious the Charlton fans were in allowing us that day and that occasion to take place. And you know what? They were were rewarded with that, with um, a real show of solidarity from the Burnley fans at the end of the game. So many fans on the pitch stayed behind and did the pitch invasion and the demonstration against their board. Um, And, you know, they really stood with them. And I just really, really hope now that people get behind them and really support them for their cause because, you know, you just wouldn't want to be in their position. And, I, you know, I really hope that they get it so- get it sorted. It was very dignified, I felt, the way that they, they weren't about it. They, I think they talked about wanting to embarrass the, the board and the chairman as much as possible and they certainly did that. Um, you don't often see play, um, fans of both sides invading the pitch at the end of the game. It's quite odd to see that, James, but it was a good show of solidarity for the the Burnley fans as well, joining in with the chanting and I think um, there'll be a lot of respect between the, the two sets of supporters after what was a memorable occasion for us certainly and for the wrong reasons I suppose for Charlton who of course dropped down to League One 
Yeah, and you know, I think for the most part, the Charlton fans did do the protest the right way. <clears throat> I think you know there, there was a moment where it was maybe getting out of hand when I think we'd had the you know three flares in like ten minutes, wherever it was. Um, that was sort of getting a little bit maybe too much. Um, but when it was spread out and it, it wasn't too bad, I, you know, I thought they probably did it the right way, and obviously it showed because the chief executive went to hide in the second half. So. Clearly, she was embarrassed by the scenes. Um, no, but it was strange seeing, obviously, at full time, um, both sets of fans on the pitch and, and Burnley fans joining in. Um, but, you know, I, I think Chart on a team that I don't think there's anything they've ever done that could make our fans dislike them, really, could they? They're quite a. As football teams go, I think they're pretty harmless. Um, so it is, you know, really easy to sympathise with their situation. Um, you know, I think if it was a Blackburn on the last day of the season, Burnley fans would be react, reacting a bit differently. But you know, with Charlton, it's easy to sympathise for their fans. I don't know if um, people saw, but Charlton fans actually placed an advert in was it Brighton's local newspaper, wishing them well, which I thought was a bit odd. It'd be interesting to see if we get similar treatment after the, the solidarity we showed. Um, we have to come on to the, the fairly shambolic scenes. At the end now, the Football League decided in their infinite wisdom that Burnley should not be presented with the trophy at Charleston. They released a frankly ridiculous statement that I'm not even going to bother reading from because it was just pointless and idiotic. Um, that I think said it wouldn't be safe or appropriate. This is despite the fact that Charlton fans protested last year and Bournemouth still got presented with the trophy on the pitch at the end. So, Natalie, instead, we had an inflatable trophy presentation with champions written on it, which is great banter, but still a bit stupid, really. It's it's really hard to try not to laugh because... The whole thing was just so very Burnley-like. And it, and actually, it, it's one of those things that will prompt your memories further down the line. You'll be laughing back at the day, so I remember when we had to lift the inflatable trophy. And, you know, you're, you're quite right. You know, we do make light heart a bit and we do have a bit, a bit of banter about the whole, you know, occasion. But just the way that the Football League have handled this entire occasion has just been utterly shambolic. Um, I, I, I can't... I just can't understand how a formal establishment in a multi multi million pound business such as football in the UK can be so inept. I mean, this is these are professional sportsmen, and you know, how do they expect people to have respect for their league and want to stay and play in their league when they just can't get the absolute fundamental basics right? It's it's embarrassing for them. The reasoning behind it just seemed totally illogical. They seem to be implying that Charleston fans would have a problem with it when, as I mentioned, they'd, they'd already seen the trophy presented before. There were no issues there. Card had already said that they, they weren't bothered about seeing Burnley fans celebrating with the trophy. And the statement to me, James, it seemed to imply that they, they almost wanted Middlesbrough to win the league. Obviously, the trophy went up there. And Joey Barton said it was a joke that the trophy was at the Riverside because they were never going to win the league. What's what's your take on the whole situation? Well, you know, I, I think it was ridiculous. <clears throat> In some ways, you can see why they did take the trophy to Middlesbrough if they're refusing to to present it at Charlton, no matter what, because obviously then, in the unlikely case that Borough did win it, they would have a trophy to hand them. But um, you know, the the whole way they framed it, um, you know, I think it's been quite clear from from Daz Bentley's Twitter that it didn't 
it wasn't the case that Burnley really had a discussion. Um, it sounds like it was more of a one-sided discussion. So their initial statement, they said they discussed it with all three clubs and came to the decision. It, it you know, it sounds like that that was sort of um, dressing up what happened a little bit to sort of defend themselves in advance. And um, then, obviously, the statement on Sunday night, I think, just took it to, to new levels. It was basically, we're just going to ignore what, what we're hearing. Um, it was, say, a, a prime example of how not to do PR. Um, you know, the, the champions should have a trophy to celebrate with. And, and I think it reflects badly on the league when, you you know, you see the pictures of Tom Heaton um, lifting an inflatable trophy. Obviously, the players made the best of it. Um, you know, only really Joey Barton came out publicly and, and properly slated the move. But um, I'm sure all the players were upset. And obviously, we've, we've all heard what Sean Dyer said when um, the trophy was at the Player of the Year Awards. And, you know, it's clear he was probably upset about it as well. Um I- what got me with the whole thing, though, as well, one of the statements that one of the variations of the statements that the Football League put out were that they had made a decision that they wouldn't allow um, trophy presentations at away grounds anymore because they wanted as many fans as possible to be able to see it, which is fine. And I, I kind of understand that in a way. But less than 24 hours later, they're having a presentation on an away ground for Burton coming second in the League One. So that's straight yeah. away it's, the first time they've, they've come up on that. I think, I think that's, have just been statements have just been an absolute embarrassment and it do you know it, it, it wouldn't be so bad if they come out and just been honest about it, but it's quite clear from so many on so many levels that they've just been trying to they've just been trying to lie lie about it essentially. There's so many things. Like you said, what there's that. There's, there's, there's clearly no, no issue at all about it being a wayground. It's clearly because it was to do with uh, they were worried about the Charlton fans. Just say that. And like you said, like James mentioned, that they said that they'd had discussions with the club. Again, that's pure, pure fiction. Like, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of um, when the police try and move kickoff times and the seats in with discussions with the police when the police have actually just said you're kicking off at this time and the club has to yeah, go. Yeah, totally. Exactly, and I think they'd have, <laughs> they'd have had a lot more respect if they had actually just come out and said, "Okay, this is this is the real reason why we're doing it," but. It's the fact that they've tried to they've tried to lie lie to us and, and manipulate yeah. us a little bit, which it's makes it even sourer. It's been an absolute fudge. I mean, what would they have done if Brighton had won it and the trophy's there and they're under pressure from uh, you know the Brighton players to to get the trophy? I, I, you know, I think they would have buckled and they would have been given a trophy out um, personally. Poten- so you potentially have the amazing scenario. You could, I, could, I could just imagine. We're getting beat. Middlesbrough winning one nil towards the end. We bring the, the the trophy out, getting ready to present it, and then Middlesbrough Brighton score two two injury times goals. And all right, get it back in the van, lads. It's just yeah, it would have been it would have been far. It would be well, it it would have been even more farcical if that's even possible. I think also um, at this point we probably wouldn't have been we'd have been over it. I think, but literally minutes before we recording the podcast on Monday night, we just watched the trophy presentation at Burnley Town Hall and they seem to run out of medals. James Tarkovsky didn't get a medal and of all people, Joey Barton didn't get a medal when he's talked repeatedly of wanting to win the title, of that being his goal all season and he's not got a medal and I think he refused to celebrate with the trophy afterwards, which is fair enough. <laughs> it just adds to it, doesn't it, James? It's so ridiculous. How can, how can you not have enough medals? It's, it's farcical. 
No, it, it's completely embarrassing. Um, you know, obviously there was a few Birmingham players who, who came out who potentially not eligible for a medal. But, you know, it's down to the, the representatives of the Football League to know who is eligible and who isn't, or just simply bring enough medals for the whole squad. Um, you know, and it, it was farcical, wasn't it? And Joey then saw there was another medal available and he, he goes to try and get it, and clearly they're holding it back for Tom Heaton. Which I can see why, because can you imagine how it, it would be more even obvious, wouldn't it? If worse lifting the trophy without a medal. Yeah, lifting the trophy, no medal, and that's the picture that lives on forever of that that team winning the league. But I think it's already a bad enough sight because you know obviously they're not in kits. It doesn't look like they've just won a title, does it? When they're all in the track seat, so. It did look. Um, it looked really, really awkward. He still stood on these on the on the steps, and there's not really enough room. The steps <laughs> and the background steps. Looks, yeah. yeah, I mean, and and they say about wanting as many fans as possible to see it. It hasn't really worked out, has it? Because I I very much doubt that you can get as many fans on that little stretch of Manchester Road um, as you can in the away end at Charlton. So I think there's probably less fans who actually have a, a sight of the trophy than they would have done if they just did it at Charlton. And it didn't happen that way anyway, because I mean, we, we had it at the Player, Player of the Year Awards last night, we had a few hundred people there, we had Andre, I think Andre Gray's first experience of it was in some little, I think maybe Sean Dyche's office or something like that, so well, in some back office. Yeah, it's, there. it's the press room Yeah, uh, at the turf, and that's where they took the champions picture as well. But, I mean, it's just shambolic. And then there's the fact that beyond everything, even today, that trophy doesn't have claret and blue ribbons on it. And that's Mid- true. That is Mid- really annoying. This trophy that had red and white uh, ribbons on it. So, you know, is it simply the case that they really thought we'd stuff up at Charlton and they didn't even get the ribbons ready? <laughs> Nobody could have knit to the- a party shop and bought some claret and blue ribbons. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, on the plus side, it is the lady, and as one of the founder members of the league, we do actually have our name on it already. So, you know, there's one positive about that trophy, I think. Is. It's funny you should say that, actually, James, because I saw an absolutely brilliant tweet about this. I think the most of us saw it, which just sums this up so absolutely brilliantly. It's um, a guy called Andrew Tipler who tweeted, found Football League, win Football League, get ignored by Football League. Hashtag Twitter, Clarence. That is so true. Um, just to come back to, to Barson, though, Natalie, for it to Guys, be him we've got, as well. we've got some breaking news come up on the Known and Ever podcast. I've just seen a tweet from Daz Bentley, who has just tweeted to everybody, completely distraught over that mix-up with the medals, completely my fault, the Football League absolutely not to blame. Yeah, well, that's a shame. We'll just have to <laughs> massively edit the last five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we best leave that one there then. Uh, we just had one mention of a, a tweet worth reading out, but let's move on to the official tweet of the week for this week. Over to Natalie. Tweet of the week. 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 Indeed. Now, after last week's Oscar ceremony about all of the summaries of the various tweets that you sent in to celebrate our promotion, this week we decided to go back to form for our um, title winning podcast and just give out a tweet of the week. Now, 
it was quite difficult to pick a tweet of the week that summarised the, the title because there was just so many of them. And to be honest, a lot of you just tweeted, yay, champions, amazing, which is great and we love it. But to find one that was um, head and shoulders above the rest was obviously quite difficult. So we've decided this week to award the tweet of the week to another really important piece of news, which has somehow been a little bit lost in the um, excitement about us being champions. But it comes to um, a very, very important piece of news coming out of Turf Moor. No, nay, Nathan. Ah, see what he did there. He wants to be part of our podcast, guys. Nate Wilson, who is his handle is No, nay, Nathan, says, Michael Duff wasn't just a loyal servant of Burnley. He is the embodiment of what it means to be a claret. Hashtag always be a claret. Yeah, thanks to Nathan as well, because I've used his season ticket to go to a couple of away games this season. So that's, that's a very small payback for, for that favour that you got tweeted of the week on um, the last podcast of the season. That wasn't deliberate, I promise. Um, but Michael Duff, Kevin, Nathan describes him as the perfect embodiment of the club. It's a fantastic summary. Three promotions, 383 appearances, I think it was. He's been absolutely fantastic. And we talked last week about wanting a little vanity sub for him at the end, and we got that. Yeah, it's fantastic seeing him get the uh, uh, get the captain's armband as well, um, and on that final final appearance, it's fantastic. And it, it's a weird, it's weird actually, because when I was reading about him hanging up his boots, I felt weirdly emotional. I felt actually really, really sad that um, that he's he's no longer a Burnley player, and I can't think I can't think of any any player I felt like that um, about leaving us before. Um, obviously, it's fantastic that he's going to be um, remaining on the in, in the coaching staff, which is which is great news. And I think he's going to be with, with uh, the youth team. But it'd be great to see if he could uh, work his way up and get involved in the first team. Who knows? He could be, potentially be a Premier League manager with Burnley at some point in the future. But yeah, it was it was it was actually yeah, it was really upsetting that he's he's no longer a Burnley player. He's been such a big part of of our. I hate this word, but it's been part of our journey. Um, obviously, he joined us when we had pretty much um, no players at the club. He's been with us when we've been battling relegation. He's he's been through all the ups and downs, the up to the Premier League, the back down again, up again. He's everything we've experienced in the last ten years or so. He's been he's been involved. And he's been the heart of it. And it's 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 he's been such a not just not just on the pitch but off the field as well he's, he's really taken the club to his heart I think the fact that he's only had two clubs in his career um, is a reflection of how much he does take that club um, into himself and he's he's always been um, really involved with with the fans and you can like, we were talking when we played Blackburn about he's one of those players who really gets it um, and his, his his celebration when Arfield scored he will he would went up and essentially Grabbed all of Scott Arfield's hand is was fantastic. Um, that'll be one of the defining images of the season, <laughs> and that's uh, that's my husband doing some um, doing some baking in the background. Yeah, Kev's just getting the scale unpolished <laughs> during the podcast. That's where Joy's medal is. <laughs> Kev's, Kev's yeah, Aaron is Aaron is currently blending Joy Barton's medal. <laughs> oh dear. That'd be a new one for YouTube, wouldn't it? Will it blend? <laughs> this medals. Oh, very I, I good. Honestly, it probably wouldn't unless you got a particularly powerful one. But moving on from blenders, <laughs> James, as we as Kev mentioned, he's been a fantastic servant for the club, Michael Duff. And even though um, we've gone twenty odd games unbeaten since he dropped out of the team, it was still great to see him on the pitch at the end. He deserved that moment. 
It was, and and you know, in some ways, it's almost a shame, isn't it, the way that it, you know, his final season went. Um, obviously, we, we made a change, and it worked out really well for the team. But I mean, at the same time, I don't think he played awfully had he so far this season. Obviously, he had a great season, really considering his age in the Premier League last term. So, um, in some ways, it was disappointing to see him sort of just slip out of the team, but. Obviously, full credit to to Dash for for bringing him back for you know that last hurrah. Um, you know he's he's been at the club a long time. I can't really remember Burnley before Michael Duff now, to be honest. You know, such is my age and how long he's been at the club. Um, so no, it was definitely an emotional moment. I think for every Burnley fan watching him come on for the for the for the last time. But I'm just really glad of he's going to still be involved with the club because. Um, He's been here so long now that he's he's part of the furniture, really. That also brings us on to um, the possibility of the retain list being released in the next few days. I'm sure those celebrations will continue for a little while, but there are a few senior players out of contract. Michael Duff already, we know, is going to retire and move into coaching. Matt Taylor's contract is up, Lloyd Dyer's contract is up, and two goalkeepers, Matt Jilks and Paul Robinson, their contracts or up as well, four of the older faces, Natalie, would you expect us to, to retain some of those, all of those, any of those? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Robinson stay on. Um, Heaton's been quite vocal this season um, about the impact that he's had, not only on his own um, technique, but also um, around the squad as a whole. So I wouldn't be surprised if they um, keep him on, but I expect that to be more of a quasi um, coaching role alongside maybe being a player as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Taylor stay, to be honest, because I think he's, he's quality. I don't know whether or not um, he has got the legs for a full um, Premier League campaign. Um, I don't expect him to keep Dyer. Um but other than that, I think we'll probably keep everybody else. Is, is Taylor still under contract? Uh, well, I, I, would, I gave that summary on the basis that I thought he was released this season. But actually, as I was going through that, um, reeling that off in my head then, I'm not entirely sure I, I know what the full list is. I thought I thought Taylor was out of contract this he season. He is out of contract. He sounded too Yeah, okay, deal. fine. Yeah. yeah Taylor, Taylor Dyer, Jilks, Robinson, I think of the four. Jilks will surely get offered a new deal. If we don't, we're stuck without. Especially as um, we, we're likely think, to see interest for Heaton. So I would be. I would be. I think they'll keep all three. I think they'll I, keep all three. Keepers. I think we'll. I think we'll sign a new keeper, and and those two. What? And let Gilks go or let Robinson go? Matt I think Jilks we'll had, Jilks had a bad injury, hasn't he, this season? So it might be a case of how recovered he is from that. I think we might keep Robinson as a number three. But from what Jilks was saying on, on Carrot's play, I think it, it was one of those injuries that for a goalkeeper, sort of every time he thought he could come back and train, he, he'd, he'd tweak it again because it was an elbow injury, which is probably the worst injury you can have as a keeper, you know, over the maybe your fingers. Um, so, yeah, to be honest, I, I can't really see him staying around. And, you know, maybe it is a good time to, you know, to bring in a, a younger keeper. OK, Kevin, the, the main player who I deliberately left out of the, the little list there was Joey Barton who seems keen to stay he's talked about wanting to stay and having contract talks at the end of the season and I think there was subtext of an interview he gave recently where he seems to want a two year deal rather than a one year deal um, 
certainly at the end of the the game at the Valley when they were doing the the inflatable trophy presentation, the fans were singing "Sign him on" to Joey Barton, and he was very demonstrably pointing towards Sean Dyche as if it was his decision. Um, I suppose for a player of Barton's age, a two-year contract is a little bit of a risk, but given his performances this season, surely it's something that can get done sooner rather than later. Um, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'd, I'd give him a two-year deal, even if in the, in the second year he might not be a regular in the team. I think he still he, he still looks very fit. He still looks um, very hungry. Um, and just to have his experience around the squad, and, and if, even if he's not playing it week, week in, week out, um, it, it would be absolutely invaluable. I think we've talked quite a lot this season about the, the experience Joey Barton's brought to the team, not just his, his playing experience, but um, all the experiences he's had throughout his career of uh, different controversies. And, and I think he, he's shown this season how he's very good at, he's learned how to handle pressure and how to handle different scenarios. So just to have his experience in the squad is worth the extra alone. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, very blatantly, the start of his negotiations with the club, um, that, that the, the, the statement he made about wanting wanting two year deal, because essentially now, if he if we don't keep him on, um, it's everybody knows it's, it's the club point, the club's fault. He's essentially said, I really want to stay on, and I, I want to stay on for two years, and it's completely in the club's court. So he's that's almost a masterclass in. In using the media to get to get um, uh, uh, to get leverage his his negotiations really, um, but yeah, hopefully it works. Clever bloke is Joey. He knows a lot more than people people give him credit for. Sometimes I think. Um, sticking with with Barton for now, Natalie, he won the the official Player of the Year award. We'll have an award special podcast next week where we'll find out who gets the known and ever awards for this season. But certainly a deserved winner of that award, although we don't want to spoil who's going to get ours next week. It's difficult to find any arguments against Barton being named the one, although he came out and said afterwards that it's all about the team, very Barton-esque, the things he said. He said he'd run through brick walls and the the best group of human beings I think he's ever worked with. Yeah, he's definitely a man motivator, isn't he, Joey? He definitely knows how to say the right things. I think both um, provocative and emotional as well. I think if he wants to wind you up, he can do it instantly. Um, I think that's why he, a lot of people <laughs> really dislike him. But if he wants to get a group of players feeling like they're world beaters and feeling the love, then he can do that as well. And last night was, was just showed that. I think you get the feeling from him, don't you, that he's happier than he has ever been and we've talked about this before on, on previous podcast podcast episodes where he feels like he's found a home whether or not you know that is all part of um joy the the pr machine i don't know but he's he he did dedicate it to the rest of the team and to be honest i really struggled this year to, to f- figuring out there was a good two or three players that i could have chosen as my player for the year it did have to be joy at the end but there were a couple of players who really did um push him right to the line for that award it's been a great season like i said we'll be doing awards on next week's podcast so please keep an eye on our twitter for all the details about that there will be a chance for you to get involved as well um, if you do want to contribute to our awards podcast, follow us on Twitter at NordNeverNet. You can also email us to find out what the crack is, give us any feedback, criticism, or praise for the podcast. The email address, as always, is podcast at NordNeverNet. But finally, Kevin, um, people might remember a couple of years ago, we asked people to send in uh, 
messages for a, a giant thank you card that we then presented um, to the to Barry Kilby and some of the other directors at the turf ahead of the last home game of the season. But we we're asking people to do something similar this year. Can you run us through what that is and how people can get involved? So what we're doing this year is we're we're asking you we're going to do a video rather than a card this year. So we want as many fans as possible to send us your videos uh, of you essentially saying thank you to the team uh, for what a fantastic season this has been. Um, we're going to stitch them together and send them over to the club and Sean Dyche and the, and the team and for them to, to for them to watch. So um, we want you to send send us a video on send us on Twitter. You probably send it in a, in a Twitter direct message to us at, at No Name Evernet um, and try to keep it as short as possible. Obviously, we don't want to. Um, have a, a two-hour-long feature film. Um, so if you try to keep it within 20 seconds or so, that'd be fantastic. And yeah, just you saying thank you to the team um, uh, and what the what the champions, what being champions of a football league means to you. Um, there'll be more details in the in the show notes for this podcast. So uh, check out there, and I'm sure we'll be tweeting a bit few few more details about it during the week as well. So, but yeah, send us a video on Twitter um, at Known in Evernet, and we'll we'll make sure the team sees it. Yeah, so please do send us your video clips as Kev's just described. We'll also put um, a description of how you can do that in the show notes for this week's podcast. Um, but a big thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast this season. We, we couldn't do the podcast without all the feedback and praise that we get. It's an absolute pleasure to talk about Burnley for you all. So hopefully you'll stick with us. And like I say, there will be an award podcast next week. So please tune in for that as well. But it's been a delight covering Burnley for you this season. Burnley title winners, champions of the Football League, despite the trophy and medal foul-ups. So a good way to end this season. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. I found that tweet. Which one? The... um. Hang on, it was from... Not the one about Kev's T. No, not the one about Kev's T. Found Football League, win Football League, get ignored by Football League. Oh, yeah, I, I, I put a link to that in the chat three minutes ago. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kev. Oh, <laughs> oh, my. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.